This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats. I just want to take a moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the support of this podcast. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button and take a moment and fill out a review. It makes a whole lot of help in terms of growing and developing this podcast. Enjoy today's chat. Peace. This is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and on the podcast, I have Wendy Arnett. Wendy, where are you at and what are you up to? Uh, currently, I'm in Quincy, Illinois. Um, just getting over with season a couple weeks ago um, with college and club, actually, both. So regrouping, uh, taking some downtime before the holidays, and then getting right back at it again. So you're balancing college and club at the same time? I am. I'm balancing college and two club teams, actually. Uh, I have a U12 and a U10, so busy, busy. <laughs> what what side are you? Is it males, females? Females. Um, actually, it's kind of weird. I um, helped coach my first men's game this year. Uh, our, uh, our head men's coach at Colvert, uh, got an accidental red card I will say at an away game and so uh, the head women's coach was coaching and uh, our other assistant coach coaches for both the women and the men and obviously uh, the head women's coach needed to meet with our girls before our game and asked if I could uh, fill in so I was like sure it was it was a good time it was an experience and they actually got a win so you know it helped. It, it helped build my confidence a little bit in the game uh, with that, being able to coach both on the women and the men's side. But with my club teams, I have um, a U12 girls team that I have been with for three years. And this is my first year with the U10 team. So uh, they're, they're, it's different, but they're tons of fun. So I enjoy it. What are some of the differences between like dealing with college age, like young women, and then using and dealing with young girls? Everything. <laughs> um, tactics, language, um, just the, uh, just it's completely different, and it was different for me as well. Um, so I actually started with the club scene here. Uh, four years ago and I was asked to help with a, a U12 team and it was their first year together and minimal experience and we got waxed at our first tournament. Um, I think we gave up like 37 or 38 goals and, and it, it was but you know they didn't stop playing the entire time so that was good that they, they were resilient. Um, but it was an eye-opening experience and it made me question my abilities. Because, uh, you know, with my college team, I don't know that we'd even given up 38 goals uh, <laughs> over six or seven seasons. So it, it was different, but it was it was good. Uh, it showed me what I needed to work on. Um, patience was a big thing with them. And so I, I, I think with college, I, can be a little bit more intense and um, more competitive. Like I, I want my girls to win, but I still want them to have fun. But with my younger groups, it's really about them just working hard for each other and having fun. If we win, great. 
if we don't, whatever, uh, they're not going to remember that at 12 years old. They're going to remember going on these hotel trips and swimming in the pool versus if we won or lost a, a match. So, so how long it's, it's have fun. you been? How, how long have you been at Culver? So I've been at Culver. I just finished up my 10th season. Um, I started in 2013. Um, I actually graduated from there. So it's kind of unique. Uh, I went to Culver and graduated from there. Uh, our head coach went to Culver and graduated from there. And Coach Javi uh, is the other assistant coach and he actually went there and graduated from there. So it's kind of a unique situation. Uh, a lot of coaches don't really still coach at their alma mater. There are a few, um, but so we kind of all know that scene like we we experienced our four years there we know what it has to offer uh not only in the soccer realm but as the school itself so it, it's it's cool i've been there 10 seasons um th this last year was a little different um but it, it was fun so i it, it's always fun i i enjoy giving back to the school in that way when you look back at when you started in 2013 to now, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? Or even you look back and go, man, uh, what was I doing back then? Well, I was young and, uh, and very intense and had a lot to learn. Um, it the, the player scope has changed a little bit. Um, I, I think we've recruited more kids who had grit back then um maybe more blue collar and as the program got better we were able to start recruiting more talent and uh, a little less of the grittier side of things but also i think i'm seeing more now that kids are looking and i don't mean this in a bad way but kids are looking for status they want to go d1 or d2 and we compete with those schools now um, recruiting wise because they're they have a larger roster to fill whereas maybe we've kind of always had that like a numbers i would say i could be wrong on this and i could kick myself but usually our teams are around for us about 40 to 45 kids um we do things a little different in the aspect that some teams in our conference have a very strict like first team and then a very strict like reserve team and they have separate practices whereas we've never changed from that we've always had one practice with all kids together and it does create a challenge if everybody's healthy uh, but in the scope of things like you know we run into academic issues uh, injuries um some kids just have like outside things that they have to take care of so sometimes we struggle to play 11 v 11 because of those so i'd say we start with like 40 to 45 but we end up with like 30 to 32 healthy kids within the season so i don't necessarily think a bigger roster is bad um, but I do see where like D2 models are kind of going that route where they're now having to have numbers. And so personally, I think kids are looking for status and each their own. Um, 
just go where you can play. I guess this is where I, I, I see it as if you are stuck on D1 or D2, great. But I think NAI, that's where I'm at at Culver, by the way, where NAI, I think there's a lot to offer, um, especially in our conference. I could be biased, but I, I think we have one of the toughest conferences top to bottom um, with who could be winning each year, uh, making it to nationals. I think this year there's, so we get two bids, uh, but I know for sure there's gonna be a third team that's going out of our, our conference. So, and I think there's a 40 team field. Um, so it's it's tough and, and those teams are tough um, to battle, but it's fun. I enjoy it. And I, I like to see how it's grown since I was a player in the conference to uh, where it is now. I was going to say, what possessed you once you got done or like at what point did you think, you know, this coaching thing might be something I want to pursue? Uh, opportunity, I guess. So after I graduated, I moved to San Diego for a little bit. Um, and the soccer scene there is phenomenal. Uh, so I was playing all the time. I really didn't think about coaching. Um, but a friend of mine, I lived in Oceanside and he was part of the parks and rec uh district there and they had um you know park and rec soccer league and was like hey uh, you want to volunteer and coach team like he kind of thought i was an awesome player which i think i'm an awesome player too <laughs> uh, but i was like all right sure whatever and so it was some underprivileged kids and uh my f so i did it for two years my first year we went undefeated which was really cool and then the second year um we did it, but it was still fun. And then family reasons brought me back to the Midwest. Um, and then Tyler, the head coach at Culver had reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I might need an assistant. Would you be interested? And I was like, well, heck yeah. Cause the soccer scene here in the Midwest is not that of San Diego. Um, it's more, if you find a pickup league, it's all guys. Uh, there's not a ton of girls that are playing. And so it's like, if I could be involved, great. Um, so it didn't work out that year. His assistant actually stayed with him, but I followed the team to just kind of see, you know, how they did and stuff. And um, I liked what he believed in. He believed, you know, you could be passionate about the game, but you could also do it in a positive way. And I think on the women's side that girls need that, you know, they don't need to be belittled and berated and, Sure, you can be a tough coach, but you don't have to put your players down to get the best out of them. So his assistant ended up moving. I think she was from Michigan and I think she went back home. And so it kind of opened the door for me and I was like, hey, let's let's go. If you're willing to take a chance on me, I'll try not to mess it up too bad. And I guess I did all right. So he's kept me around for a while. You mentioned uh, thinking, you know, enjoying playing the game. Was this something you were playing even from like you talk about coaching a U10 team and a U12 team? Were you one of those girls at some point that was rocking and rolling? So I actually didn't play soccer until I was a freshman in high school. Um, my mother put me in dance <laughs> when I was two and I was on a competitive dance line from seven until I was 18. So I had pretty good eye hand coordination and um, a friend of mine in high school, Kara, she was like, hey, do you want to come play indoor with us? And I was like, sure, I don't know what I'm doing, but whatever, it sounds fun. 
and I went and played indoor and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, probably wasn't great, um, but I was super fast. And uh, so I did do track in middle school. I did hurdles and I actually had a coach that taught me how to three-step correctly. And I was pretty fast. I don't know that I'm as fast now, but, um, and then I had very strong legs from dance, obviously. And then after that indoor season, I just, my, I, my mom bought me a soccer ball and I was in our front yard, like taking long kicks and then chasing it and going and taking another long kick and just juggling whenever I could. And so played JV my freshman year and then made varsity my sophomore year, I think just cause I never could put a ball down and thank the dance world for having eye-hand coordination. Um, it just wasn't for me, but I felt there was a balance and I could be physical and I could use all my attributes as a soccer player. And so um, when the time came, I had some talks with my mom and we were like, you know, I will stick with dance as long as I can play soccer. And she was cool with that. And then I got a scholarship to play at Culver um, and it just kind of went from there. I moved to San Diego afterwards. Um, I did play on several like in rec leagues and Latina leagues there, but I also got to train with the San Diego Sea Lions for a season. And so they're in the WPSL and I never got to play, but I got to have uh, Jen Neeson, I think is her last name, was the coach at the time. And it was a really cool experience. Like I got to play with some D1 players. Um, Rachel Bueller practiced with us one time and I've never, so I'm a center back and I'm 5'9 and I'm pretty, not small girl, but I'm solid, I would say. <laughs> and I had never been put on my butt and she laid me out. So Bulldozer is her name for a reason. <laughs> and then uh, Troy Palomalu actually also this one time and such a cool guy and just really cool experience you know like this kid from the midwest a small town um i'm from hannibal which is right across the river uh mark twain i don't know if you've heard of the author but that's his yeah. hometown so that's what we're known for and you know it's like seventeen thousand, and then just having these really cool experiences that soccer gave me i guess that's kind of why I'm in coaching now, like just to say, hey, like if you want more, you can do it, but you have to want it and you have to put in the extra time and the work. And I mean, you can reach for the stars and land wherever you want as long as you're willing to try, you know? What does, what are some of the roles and responsibilities that you have as an assistant coach? Like, I think people hear that and they go, oh, you're just kind of standing to the side, but I know there's a lot more involved <laughs> at, at the college level. What what things are on Wendy's sure. to-do list? So, um, when I first started out, there wasn't a lot of responsibilities, but I think it gained, it was gaining trust of Tyler to allow me to do some certain things. Um, but. Uh, I was able to go recruiting a lot. I went to San Diego, obviously I lived there, so I was very familiar with the territory and where the fields were and how to get everywhere. And um, he trusted me with that. Um, something I'm really good with that I've uh, uh, gotten 
excuse me, better over the years is film breakdown. So I probably watch like tons. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine the hours that I watched, but uh, I could watch film from our conference or other games and just break down the opponent so well. And we give like a little pregame uh, synopsis to the girls to let them know, you know, how we're going to play, how we expect the other team to play. Um, filling in if he's out of commission for some reason, should he be sick or he has a little girl, Desi's seven, seven or eight, I believe. And so, you know, it's sick kid duty sometimes calls or if she has something, it's conflict, like stepping in uh, to those roles, um, trying to, uh, whatever's needed. I mean, you know, whatever's asked. I mean, I always ask like, if there's something I can do, I'll definitely try to do it if it's in my, my means. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, just a, a second person bounce ideas off of each other. Sometimes like, I don't believe that I'm a yes man. Um, so sometimes I'll challenge like, what he's thinking or like maybe we should try a different formation depending on personnel it doesn't always work out that way but you know mom always said the worst that could be said is no so <laughs> it doesn't hurt to try um but yeah that's kind of kind of it looking at scouting um uh, film from kids that are looking at culver um so i'm a spike major uh i kind of feel that I take on the mom role for our team too, being the only woman uh, with our coaching staff and um, kind of flourished in that. Like, I'm okay with it. Uh, give out the hugs when the kids need it, but I'm okay to say, you know, hey, like, are we being serious um, in our thinking if we're thinking in a negative way or trying to blame stuff like that? So that's a little, a lot of hats, if you will. Is there a part of you, so now you've been there for 10 years in that assistant role, is there a part of you that one day wants you to talk about filling in for like the men's team for a game and you've stepped in for when Tyler's out? Is there a part of you that wants to become a head coach at some point? Yes and no. Um, it, it, could, it kind of scares me a little bit because then all of the responsibility is on you. Whereas being the assistant, like that does take some of it off. Um, so I kind of help with my dad locally, and I think that's kind of, there's been other things that have happened too, uh, but so he's he lives in Hannibal and he had a stroke a while back. So he's physically able to do everything, but still has a few uh, things that he needs assistance with and um, doesn't want to move, very stubborn in that. So that kind of handcuffs me and I'm, I'm okay with it um, as long as, I have the ability to to coach still, which I do. And then, um, you know, I, I am the head coach of my two club teams. Um, so I always talk about it. Like, I, don't, I can't imagine not having them until they graduate at this point. And so, I mean, that's another six to eight years. If something great came along, sure, I'd maybe toss it around. I don't, I don't know. It'd have to be something pretty great, though, to to want to move because I, I do enjoy where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, I like our program. I like our kids. I love our kids, I should say. Um, we get good kids. We have good parents. Um, 
which is a big thing, you know, it takes a village. And so with my club team, I'm very blessed to have a great group of parents who, when we go to tournaments, they're not like yelling, shoot, or do this. They're just really encouraging their kids to have fun. And it's something that we kind of, as a club have asked them to not do uh, as far as like coaching from the sidelines because I don't want to be a joystick coach in that aspect so I try to rein in telling them exactly what to do I want them to be independent thinkers on the field and so I might do that a little bit more in college where I might see something and if somebody's not doing it like hey like do this and but I try not to as much as possible because, you know, if the kids don't do it themselves, they'll never get better. Um, they'll always depend on you to tell them what to do and what decisions to make and things like that. You shared earlier how your mom got you to dance and all that goes on with that and kind of the discussion of, hey, I think soccer is kind of maybe my calling. And then even uh, with your, the status of your dad and stuff health wise and how you've come back from San Diego, how important as one, being close to your family, it sounds like that's very important to you. And then two, how important, how like big has it been having them supporting you in this decision and seeing you play and then all go back to your alma mater to coach? Um, you know, for me, I always say, even with my Culver kids, it's family first and then school and then soccer. And that's just the importance of things. And so, um, I am the only child. I don't have siblings. Um, so when my dad had a stroke, it was kind of a, a no-brainer that like I needed to come back and help uh, assist in his rehab and all that stuff. Um, so not to get too sad on you, uh, my mom was actually murdered in a robbery gone wrong um, in my first year of coaching at Culver. And so I was blessed that she got to see me do it because um, I think she got to see me flourish in that aspect and she supported it and she came to home games. And a crazy story with that is um, we were supposed to play, I'm trying to think of where they were ranked. I think Grayson was ranked like 14th in the nation and we were supposed to play them the day that this happened. And so we called and the men were gonna play the following day. So we moved the game back a day and the girls played and we ended up winning two to one. Um, on a, and so the goalie for Graceland was also, um, I'm gonna get the country. I wanna say the Colombian national team goalie. I think she was their third string goalie at the time. And the second goal that went in just was like, something in my opinion that a goalie makes this save and so whether it was my mom or some surreal thing for it to happen it just kind of happened so for me um coaching kind of became a crutch to deal with that and so I kind of leaned into Kohler and they embraced me and so it just feels right to do the same thing um now I embrace them and it's a big part of why I do what I do. Um, I really love it and I couldn't imagine doing anything else at this point. The thing that I, I hear and love about the experience is you, when you were talking about the U10, U12, like being that mom 
for them, like you're giving back, it's really cool to take that. And I, the other thing that is the ability to kind of talk about it, um, you know, adversity and having to work through this, I think it's huge one for you, but then if your players at all levels are hearing this and kind of know, like we're all, you know, mental health and all this stuff is out there now. Um, sure. So I think that experience is really cool that you're able to kind of take it and um, see it with that. Uh, as you as you kind of keep looking forward, and you said something about this past year, and, and it kind of I wanted to come back to it about the soccer season. You said this past year was kind of a strange one. What was what was this past year like, maybe compared to some of the other ones? So I think we lost our identity a little bit um, within our culture we've always been very positive um you know we say one team plants the seed and another one enjoys the shade um and so in 2021 we had an extremely phenomenal year um we set set or continued to break records that were set and uh we had so i guess i should back up um, we hadn't been to conference play, playoffs since I want to say our 2000, it was either, I think it was 2016. And so uh, our 2021 group decided, you know, like, why not us? That was going to be our like motto. Like, why, why can't we make playoffs? Like, why can't we be this team? And they really bought into that. And we, you know, we're happy for our teammates. We're selfless um, players. And it, that's, that's that group. And there was a ton of talent too, don't get me wrong. Um, but we made it to playoffs. Uh, we actually ended up fourth in conference, which allowed us to host our first playoff game ever uh, because we had made playoffs, but we were always on the road. And um, so it was a really cool experience. And we ended up falling short in that game. Um, but then this year, I feel like Things were maybe a little bit more important outside of soccer, um, whereas last year or in 2021, they it was like soccer first and then, you know, outside factors, um, not like classes or stuff, but just life, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. And then in um, and, and its growth, too, uh, I think it's hard to try to duplicate a season like that. Um, there are other factors, injuries, players not returning. Uh, things like that, you know, but it's just little hiccups that all coaches have to deal with and teams and some handle it a little bit better than others. And I don't, I don't know, this year was just different with that. Um, we weren't as selfless, I feel like as a group, uh, there was a little bit of divide, unfortunately. Um, but again, that falls back to us coaches to be able to make that happen a little bit more and maybe we're to blame for that. I mean, I ultimately would say that we're to blame for that because we maybe we should have done something different, but hindsight's 2020, you know, like going forward, sure, we know we need to fix things, but in the moment, it's kind of hard to see those things. And so still a good group. Um, it was hard, I think, for us as coaches to swallow because it was uh, record-wise one of our not it was our first year that we've had together. Um, so that was a tough thing to swallow too. But again, 
coming off of a really good year. Um, I don't know. I don't know what maybe the players expected if we would just kind of coast into being that same team or if maybe we could have done things differently. But we're, you know, having uh, individual meetings right now and learning some things that the coaches don't necessarily see in in season. But, you know, now moving forward, we know what everybody may have saw that we didn't, things we can change and tailor, whether it's in practice or off the field. Um, I know that team bonding was one that uh, the girls have brought up, but we try to remind them, you know, like the coaches don't always have to be present for team bonding. If you guys want to like have a movie night, like have a movie night, like get everybody together or I don't know what other things kids can do, but I like to do like the fun team bonding stuff. Uh, usually when it's warmer outside, like with water balloons or buckets of water, I don't know, just fun, like let loose, let, let's get off of soccer for a little bit and things like that. So I do think that we had a special group of seniors this year, um, definitely gonna miss them, you know, next year. But then coming back, uh, we have some kids returning from injury and a lot of talent returning and then some grit too. So just trying to plug in a few recruits here and there to fulfill the needs of some kids that are moving on and try it again next year, you know? I think the the cool thing is the ability to, you're clearly self-reflecting. Even Tyler, I'm sure has had conversations with you about like, what things can we do differently? And I think the cool thing is that you've incorporated the, the players into this mix. Like, look, we're all accountable. Like you said, it's on us as coaches as well. What can we do moving forward to uh, take care of it and fix it and all that kind of stuff um, with that? Is there, have you always played in Illinois? Is that, you've said you've lived there. So is, is that always been kind of your, your soccer mecca, I guess, in a way? So um, Canton, well, Culver is actually in Missouri. It's about 15 minutes away in Canton, Missouri. Oh, got it. Um, but so we we kind of draw like as far as player wise we kind of, we used to be like metro um st louis area like grab a lot of kids from there every now and then get a few kansas kids but our conference is pretty spread out um i think it goes i think the furthest north is dubuque iowa um but then there's also Grandview and Graceland are in uh, our conference there in Iowa, and then Baker, Benedictine, Mid-America, Nazarene, they're on the west side of Missouri into Kansas. And then uh, Evangel's leaving after this year, but they're down in Springfield, Missouri. So our, our conference is like kind of all over the Midwest, if you will. And um, so I, I have a special place in my heart for the California kids. Um, so it's just a different style to me than some of the Midwestern soccer that you see. There's a little bit more flair, um, but over the years we've had kids from Australia, um, Spain. Uh, this year we have our first kid, a couple of firsts actually, we have a, a kid from Sweden, a kid from the Netherlands, a kid from Iceland. Um, so it, it's kind of all over. Uh, it's it, I think competing with a couple of D2 schools around the area and um, a D1 in St. Louis kind of grabs that St. Louis uh, 
group anymore. So it's it's tough to get those kids nowadays. And I think that's where I see sometimes like the status of um, the level that you're playing at. And and that like I said, it's fine if you wanna if you wanna play to school because they have a D1 or a D2 with their name. Like, just make sure that you're gonna play and not sit the bench. Like if you're, I think the worst thing for me to see as a coach when I go to recruit someone is like if they have a ton of talent or um, I their ceiling could be high. And if they're just going to go to a school and sit for two years, I feel like they're not getting the best for themselves. And I, I think they should just give themselves the right opportunity to play for four years, um, whether that's, you know, an NAI school or two years at JUCO and then go to a four-year school. Uh, there's just a ton of different options that kids have these days and just to be realistic about what opportunity is the best for you. Um, I think that's what I, I like to see the most. And there's a few that I've seen go here, there, and I'm like, darn it, we missed out. But it is it is what it is, you know? That's just the, the coaching realm of college. Um, you, you could be all in on a kid and they might have one foot in on you and one foot out. And sometimes it's a gamble, it's always, a gamble it's not sometimes it's always a gamble um on what kids unless i think culver's pretty special uh it's a little different from when i was there um but we do class class wise we do a 12 week three week um schedule so for 12 weeks kids have like three or four classes and then they'll have thanksgiving break and then after that they'll come back and then for three weeks they just have one class and it's a exper uh, experiential learning. So sometimes they'll do um, trips. Well, most, not all, but some. I know one has gone to uh, like a bowl game down in Florida and they, I think it's a sports management class and they like run the bowl, like the entire thing, like they're helping involvement. Um, other kids have gone to like Belize or Ireland um, with history classes and stuff like that. So. I, I wish we had that when we were there because uh, we were still <laughs> we were still the straight 15 week. Um, yeah. But you know that's something that kind of makes Culver a little unique. So it is a small town, close to Quincy, which is kind of bigger, and then it's a couple hours north of like St. Louis. So I mean, you can still get your big city vibes if you want them. Um, but everything's on campus. Kids live on campus. Um, from experience, don't need a car. You got a bicycle, great. You can walk everywhere. Um, the frat houses and the old, so we have a turf field now. Um, but when I was there, we had a grass field and it was a fire baseball field. So it was a further walk. Um, but I mean, you could get from one side to campus to the other within 15 minutes, maybe, maybe 20 minutes if you're like turtle walking or something, I don't know. but. It, it's a it's a really beautiful place and it, it's special for a lot of different reasons not just because i went there but it's it's got a lot to offer and it's got a beautiful view of the mississippi river i mean it's not called the hill for anything you know wendy this chat has been awesome i'm gonna go ahead and shut this thing down this is karen with coach's corner chats with wendy arnett and i'm out peace peace <laughs>
What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.